I know a lot of things about you, and I'm pretty sure you're not a doctor. Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that tells you what's going to happen, hints that it's going to happen, continues to hint that it's going to happen, and then it happens! But in the best possible way. I am your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared, what happened to you? I don't care about <laughs> anything you have to say. I don't care about your bit. I don't care about this bit. I'm throwing it all away. Okay. Stephen and I went and saw Enter the Spider-Verse two days ago. Yes, we did. It is the best movie I have ever seen. I'm not going to go that high up. It was very good. I fully believe that it was the best movie I've ever seen. And there was every single frame, every single word, nothing was wasted. Nothing was taken for granted. Mm -hmm. It's crafted with such care. Yes. I agree with that. Have I talked to you about how I feel like we're in the, we're in a a renaissance of animation? Well, yes, but also passionate art. Ooh, okay. Uh, slightly through the other conversation, but yes, bring bring me to your world here. Yes, okay. So, all the disclaimer of all of this is I just like breaking down cultural things. That's why we have this show. Yeah. I My perspective is not the truth, and the a historian was once asked, like, what is the impact of the French Revolution? And he said, it's too soon to tell. And that was like five years ago. Mm. So like, who knows where we're going? (laughs) Which one? All of them. But no, specifically the French Revolution. Or what's the impact of it or whatever. I don't know if I said that. I've just assumed it's a revolving door. One French Revolution ends, the other one starts. (laughs) Perpetual revolution machine. (laughs) Yeah, it's the revolution revolution. So anyway, enter the Spider-Verse. And how we are in a renaissance of passionate art i think stems from the petering out of marvel we went through 10 years of like the dominant cinema being a formula yes and if you were not that formula you withered and died on the vine like think about how many movies you can think of in the last 10 years that you saw in theaters that weren't a marvel movie or sorry i got from endgame 10 years back from endgame Mm mm-hmm yeah, not a whole lot, but I I'm not a big go to the movies kind of person. Sure, neither am I to be honest, except that we have a really great movie theater like right near us. We so. do, so we're pumping up those numbers. Yes. Now you have things like Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. Enter the Spider-Verse. And my third example is actually Taylor Swift, weirdly enough. Go on. I have no interest in Taylor Swift, but I respect her so much as an artist. Her, apparently her live show, this tour is fucking nuts, man. And she loves what she's doing. And these people that are making, and you see it in video games too, these people that love what they're making and have a different story to tell are actually being given the funding and the the leash to do it. You have things like the new Star Wars trilogy mm-hmm. that are falling apart and no one wants anything to do with it. And you have something that's, I mean, albeit still a little formulaic, but something like Mandalorian that is just someone's pet project that then the producers got too close to it and now have probably ruined it. But season one, just being given this really long leash to make something that they love that they think is cool. And that also springboards into, like, why it's important to push for diversity, because you think of, like, everything, everywhere, all at once. Like, that's not something that's getting made in uh, 20 years ago. Sure. 
it's too out there and like it's not a white guy producing and directing and starring in it. So it's probably just not going to happen. If it does, it's probably going to flop. That's my rant. Okay. I'm going to rebuttal a little bit with, you said video games, and I think video game is the one industry where I, I think it's not quite there. They had yes. a moment, and then it's kind of past that moment. Oh, see, I think we're behind. I think video games are behind the rest of it because the life cycle of a video game is so much longer than those mm. other art forms. Sure. The The way I see it is at the front end of a console's life cycle, usually you see a... The things that get the most attraction and the biggest numbers are these AAA titles and these things that mm. were built for this system. And then indie titles, kind of, if they squeak in there, they're usually the ones that got out right when the console launched. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish I could have a good example. The Switch had a ton of them because the Switch didn't have any AAA titles. No, and Nintendo has to be sequestered from this conversation because Correct. they do their own thing and don't give a fuck what anyone else thinks. Correct. And I For good and bad. I, I appreciate that. But also, my God, just fix your internet service. All you have to do... Okay, never mind. And right now, we're we're kind of heading toward the end of a life cycle. We're, we're in like this starting the second half of the life cycle of the current gen. I think life cycles are, of consoles are dead. And I hope so too. Because PC gaming is going to be more and more popular. There's no life cycles of PC gaming. Sure. And the generations are now kind of staggered where like Nintendo didn't release their new thing at the same time as PlayStation did and PlayStation was all dragged out because of material shortages. It didn't hit as hard. It didn't hit as hard, but to me, more importantly, I think we are going to start edging away from these big box consoles and start moving toward a, this is the Nintendo Fire Stick. You can play your Nintendo games on this or your Nintendo app on your television. I hope not. I don't think so. I think every console is just going to become a computer. Like, yeah, basically. They, they are a computer already. Right. I mean, yes. But, like, <laughs> less proprietary, more like... I mean, maybe there's a middle ground of that. Like, maybe it's like, great, you buy the game box and you plug in the Xbox USB. Sure. Or you plug in the PlayStation USB. Yeah. The only thing that gets in the way of that is someone has to make the game box. I know, but... And nobody wants to play nice with that. Steam Deck. I mean, yeah, but Nintendo's never going to play nice with Steam Deck. Oh, okay, Nintendo's their own thing. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, hell, I'm playing Persona 5 right now, and I'm playing it on Xbox Game Pass on a computer. Sure. This conversation has gone wildly out of the realm of what That's we were talking about originally. <laughs> fine, so be it. Speaking of things that are way off the realm of what we're talking about, <laughs> emails. If you want to email us, Feel free to send an email, SurvivorTBT at gmail.com. You can message us on Twitter, at SurvivorTBT, or Reddit, u slash SurvivorTBT. We got emails. We're following up with our email from Tyler. Tyler, who sent us a video of a confessional here. I think we should wait till the end of the episode to watch this confessional. Sure. Yeah, the one we talked about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So remind me to come back to that at the end of the episode. From Josh, this is where the term Ponderosa comes from. It doesn't appear on the show until season 16 and sends me a link to a wiki article. It is from the Ponderosa Ranch. It was a theme park oh. based on the television western Bonanza. Oh. Which housed the land, timber, and livestock-rich Cartwright family. 
The amusement park operated in Incline Village, Nevada, near Lake Tahoe, uh, from 68 until 2004. Portions of the last five seasons of the TV series and the three television films were also filmed at that location. Interesting. What's the connection? Because that, that has as much connection as the fucking steakhouse. <laughs> the first Virginia City set used to... The first Virginia City set used in the show from 59 to 70 was located on the back lot at Paramount. So Paramount named it after this from one of their shows. Got it. Okay, so Paramount named it. It wasn't like a colloquial term that then they're like, oh yeah, that's what it's called now. Yeah. Okay. Weird fucking connection, man. It is a weird connection, and I'm sure there's more to it, but I cannot skim this entire article in the time that it's going to take. So, thank you. What a, what a weird little survivor factoid. Second part of that email... People have said in interviews afterward that the meat was not cooked properly and they all smelled like meat for the next couple of days. Ew. Disgusting. It, I will, it didn't look raw. It, no, it didn't look raw, but it is apparently not cooked properly. So, good thing they didn't eat any of it, but, I mean, the juices are in your mouth. Yeah. So if you're getting salmonella, you're getting salmonella. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. From Tyler... Back when Survivor was on Thursday nights, a couple of the episodes that aired in March aired on Wednesday to avoid competing with March Madness. Oh. Ponderosa was named by CBS when they advertised the web series that showed the jury interacting with each other. The first season this was included in was season 16, again in 2008. I don't know if players in the previous seasons were told that's what it was called or not. But I looked it up, and apparently Ponderosa was a reference to a town in the show Bonanza. Great. Nice. In 2000, Rudy appeared in an episode of JAG as a Navy SEAL instructor. Tyler's giving us yeah. factoids yeah, yeah. as we go. In 2002, he hosted Combat Missions on the USA Network, which was also produced by Mark Burnett, which involved past and current military operatives competing against each other in missions, originally in teams and then individually. I mean, I wouldn't would thousand percent watch Rudy on a military competition because he seems the kind that would like know know what to do and also be like, "This is fucking stupid." Yeah, but also as a host, I don't know that he can <laughs> lead with personality. Maybe we need to put that on the bonus episode list. Ooh, put it on the list. He also wrote a book called "The Book of Rudy," where he gives his opinions on an array of topics. I bet that is a wide-ranging conversation. I cannot imagine. He was also featured on the Survivor Slot Machine, which shows a clip from him on the show if you hit his bonus. The Rudy bonus! Hilarious. That's fucking amazing. I love that. That's great. I I don't know. Do you, You're not a slots guy. I know this. No, I fucking hate slot machines. I like table games. I do not like slot machines. Mm, I haven't played a slot machine since... I think literally my 18th birthday. I did well on that slot machine, but eh. It's not it's not my thing. No. Which is funny, because when I played like the first gen Pokemon games growing up, I played a lot of those slot machines. Yeah, but it's it's something about slots that appeals to that like kid brain of lots of flashing noises and things happening and no oh, you win. Kind they're, of. They're overstimulating and also feel patronizing. <laughs> I'm like, I know that you're an algorithm. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. They're trying to distract you from the fact that I'm stealing your money. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, that's what a casino is. 
Mm-hmm. If you're going there with the intent of, I'm about to lose all this money I'm going to invest, then it's, I shouldn't say that. It's entertainment. Sure, it's if not- you're like, this is my budget for entertainment for the yes. night, and if I walk away with some extra money, cool. That's fine. And I get to play blackjack or craps or mm-hmm. roulette or whatever. It's like the one time we went to the casino together where we got there, we played blackjack. In 10 minutes, I would I had doubled my money, but that's no fun. You don't walk away that... And then I lost it all. Like, well, my strategy is like, let's say I start with fifty bucks at a table. Mm-hmm. Once I get, once I get more than fifty dollars, so whether that's like, it has to be a decent amount. Let's say it's like a ten dollar table. I get to like eighty, hundred bucks, whatever. I'll put fifty aside, so that way, no matter what happens, I'm walking away. And then every time I get, I basically set myself back to fifty every time. Yeah. I usually do that. That night was different for obvious reasons. Yeah. Like we were just having fun. Yeah. Anyway, Carl, Carl, yeah, the second half of this episode actually got cut off in certain time zones, at least Mountain, I believe, in order to switch to coverage of the Iraq invasion. It re-aired the Sunday afterwards. Sure. Interesting. Note. Notes. The Butch scene actually made me tear up. Yeah. It's very sweet. Butch is a good person. He is. Matt is cringy, however. Yeah. I kind of feel bad for him, actually. The Amazon has drawn a lot of comparison to high school over the years. And Matt is kind of like that weird homeschooled kid who doesn't know how to socialize very well. <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad analogy, because he, he is. He's, he's multicultural. He was born in Hong Kong. Like He also picked the wrong friends. He picked the wrong friends. At the beginning like, of the game. He tried, and then his the people he tried with we're just the wrong people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm there for that analogy. I, the next time on, at the end of this episode, though, <laughs> we're, might be, we're getting Greg, but everyone actually treats him like he's a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold on to your hat for that one. Jen and Heidi are the popular girls. Yeah. Alex and Dave are the jocks. Rob's the yeah. nerd. Matt's the yeah. weirdo. Dina, the cool teacher... Okay. Christy, the kid... Christy, person with a disability. Sure. Who feels different than the other kids because of it. Butch, the principal. That tracks. Yeah. Inspirational coach who puts up the poster. Yeah, I was say also like a... Yeah, like a good PE coach. And Roger, the bigoted dad. I don't know, he doesn't fit in well. The math teacher you hate. I mean, my math teacher was my dad. <laughs> tracks... Anyway, like, no, my dad is, was a very good teacher. Nah, yeah, I'm He's sure. very, very important to a lot of people. Mr. Labine, if you're listening, I'm sure you're a great teacher. He's not listening. Like I said before, it's been a while, so it's hard for me to recall details, but I believe this analogy coerces more and more as the season continues. Coalesces. Coalesces more mm, and more. Mm-hmm. That's, a good, that's the word. That's how you read. Good thing he wasn't my reading teacher. <laughs> Anyway, Matt's dead eyes were absolutely killing me the entire episode. Oh my god. He had the expression of a decomposing corpse in, like, every confessional. It is. He is losing, like... Have you ever talked to someone who is present, but has nothing going on in their face? Yes. It's so disconcerting. Yeah, and he is... We haven't seen the sanity health bar very often on Survivor, but his sanity health bar has been ticking down. Like, he's in a Lovecraftian board game, and he's on his last sanity point. 
Let's see what happens next time on Survivor. As he sharpens machetes dangerously. <laughs> I really, really love the Piranha Challenge for its uniqueness. It is unique. Also for being the least COVID-friendly challenge of all time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's just make out. If we're talking about the worst ever Survivor players so far, I would nominate Sarah from Marquesas, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Shauna's definitely on that level, though. And who can forget the alphabet strategy? <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, you know what? No. I think Shauna's worse at Survivor than Sarah. Ooh. Because Shauna tried to go home, and her tribe had to say no. <laughs> at no point was Sarah like, please send me home. Her actions said that, but her words never did. Correct. <laughs> Shauna as a character is just okay, but her story arc is hilarious. Oh, it's so funny. So, uh, don't get me wrong, Shauna's better to have on a season. Sarah was boring and terrible, but, like, come on. Yeah, so here, here's the life cycle here. Object to all men's desire, pathetic whimpering hostage, resuscitated by the presence of penis, gone. <laughs> truly great. Yep. Truly great. <laughs> and finally, in Shauna's full final words, she actually just cries for, like, the first five minutes. And not even in a sad way, per se, just intensely emotional, saying how much she appreciates the experience. Survivor really had an impact on her, apparently. That's good. That is good. It, it's... Characters like Shauna are interesting because the trajectory of the show is going one way, and there is not a single episode, and hardly a moment in this entire season, that Shauna was going the same direction. Sometimes she was going, like, a little parallel... But most of the time, she was not playing the game that we know as Survivor. Yeah. And it's good entertainment. Just doing her own thing, man. Let her let her try. I am glad. I'm glad she left when she did, though. Yes. I don't think she would have been very useful with the merge. I, uh, for me, it's the, I want to go, I want to leave. No. I want to stay. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Anything else? Uh... Want to go to the casino? Bumper. <laughs> All right, so this episode came out on March 26th of 2003. And uh, thank you, emailers. We finally got that answer as to why sometimes it's on Wednesday and then Thursday, and yeah. why Steve remembered it being on one day of the week when it was actually on both. Only two real things I want to point out this week in between episodes. There was a couple of smaller things like this award ceremony, but like, kind of ones I don't care about are things that didn't seem to have a lasting impact. Okay. As opposed to the invasion of Iraq. Yeah, oh yeah. So we ended, the last episode aired with on the day of the airstrikes. The next day is the US-led coalition launches a ground invasion of Iraq after an ultimatum for Saddam Hussein and his sons to leave Iraq expires. They told him you have till March 24th to get out. Or we're coming. <laughs> we're coming. Uh, and... The Arab League votes 21 to 1 in favor of a resolution demanding the immediate and unconditional removal of U.S. and British soldiers from Iraq. I scoured the internet. I could not find who the one was. Who was the one? And I'm going to go through the uh, list of Arab countries. I was going to say, off the top of my head, I, I can't pinpoint who would be in that my first guess was Iran because they fucking hate Iraq around this time. Uh -huh. This is only 
like what less than 10 maybe less than 20 years i don't know when the iran iraq war was but it was bad and it was ugly so here's the countries syria saudi arabia the united arab emirates algeria libya Djibouti, yemen iraq lebanon jordan kuwait qatar oman bahrain tunisia sudan Mauritania, morocco palestine Comoros and Somalia. Mm. My guess is Kuwait. Because okay. Iraq had invaded Kuwait back in the 90s in the Gulf War, and we saved them, so they're probably like, yeah, fuck Iraq, fuck you, Saddam. That's the only thing I can guess. I would get. You said Morocco? Yeah. That, that seems like the outlier to me, the one just like far enough west that you're like, oh, you're not really a part of this, so maybe you have more European interests than Saudi League. Yeah, maybe maybe Jordan, because they're a close Israel ally, I think, at the time. Maybe. I don't know. It's interesting, though. It is. Uh, number one song is still in the club. In the club. He will not leave that club, no matter how hard we try <laughs> to make him. Go, Shorty. It's your birthday. The top five movies. Number five, Agent Cody Banks. Really fell from grace there, As pretty quickly. Should. The Hunted. Chicago still at number three. Damn. It's just like the Broadway musical. It won't leave. It won't die. It won't be the best thing around, and it also won't leave. I That movie slaps. I've never seen it. You've never seen the Chicago movie? I've never seen it. It's one of the best musical adaptations, especially at the time. Like, I mean, that's a low bar. It stands the test of time. Okay. Dreamcatcher is number two, and then Bringing Down the House is number one. The movie I want to highlight from this week is Dreamcatcher, because, oh boy... Uh, it is interesting. You want to guess its audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, Stephen? 12. 35. Okay. Yeah. 28 by critics. Dreamcatcher tells of four young friends who perform a heroic act and are changed forever by the uncanny powers they gain in return. Years later, the friends, now men, are on a hunting trip in the Maine woods when they are overtaken by a blizzard in which something much more ominous moves. Now, I know that implies they were all boys at the time and they grew into men. I would I would like to believe that several of them were girls at the time and then they have trans friends, but that is not the case. This is 2003. Challenge, challenge to stop an alien force. The friends must first prevent the slaughter of innocent civilians by a military vigilante, then overcome a threat to the bond between them. This is my least favorite kind of sci-fi movie in which everything is kind of slapped into a bunch of nothing yeah that's a lot of a lot of things it's also seems to be referencing like native culture but there's aliens and a blizzard and it's apparently bad that's what i got for you well we're the powers who's to say who's to say all right well that's fine all right anything else that is it cool well, let's move on to the episode episode seven Girls Gone Wilder. Why did we need this? Well, Survivor trying to make a very apparent connection on that one. Sure. Do you remember like being awake when normal TV programming just stopped? Uh-huh. And they would just play random infomercials? Uh-huh. And Oh, I know this infomercial. The the Girls Gone Wild one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Me and a friend when I was, I was young, I would have been like, I don't know, 10, 12, whatever, somewhere in there, um, we're having a sleepover and we had been playing, we'd been playing video games till late and then we were watching Adult Swim uh, and then came the Girls Gone Wild 
commercials, and I felt so... I was such a sheltered kid. Uh, I felt so bad about it, I told my parents and got in trouble. <laughs> got in trouble for a commercial that just happened to come on the TV? We watched it more than once. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like, whoa, I'm 12 and those are boobs. Kind of. Kind of. Blurred out boobs. Those are a, a moving billboard around boobs. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Well, that's the difference between your childhood and mine. I definitely watched it and did not tell my parents. And look where we are now. Look where we are now. Jared, anarchist extraordinaire. Alright, anyway. Girls Gone Wilder. We we open the episode. Jabaru is reeling from the last vote. Even Dina's like, you know, that sucks. Yeah. I, I don't like sending one of our own home. Sometimes we forget the emotional toll of voting somebody off that you have to, but you like, especially if the tribe all likes each other for Mm -hmm. the most part and how much you were relying on these people for survival in everyday life. And then one of them's just not there anymore. Yeah. That kind of sucks. It does. It really does. It is kind of funny that Dina described her as like the bandana and sunglasses hanging around or whatever. (laughs) Dina has a soft tender moment for like two seconds, undercuts it herself very quickly. Immediately. Yeah. Such as Dina. Rob's like, well, maybe now Alex will get his head out of his ass and play the game. To be determined. To be determined. We didn't see any Alex's episode. I was expecting to get some type of, like, salty bit from Alex back at camp, but he doesn't. And then we don't hear from him. He, they kind of show him sulk a little bit at the very top of the episode, but there's no, like, fuck, they really fucked me over. Like, I really wanted to keep her. It's just like him from afar with a sad look. Yeah. Interesting. We we see a little bit of him later in the episode, but mostly he is the middleman between Roger and Dina. Yes. It doesn't accomplish much. He's just kind of like there relaying information between the two of and them. And keeping the peace. Trying to keep a functioning camp. Yeah. He's a child of divorce. <laughs> but mom... Anyway... Rob sees this and he's like, all right, everyone, we have a strategy right now. Open forum. I'm telling you the strategy. I thought this was a terrible idea. Yeah. It works out well. It does. But I thought this was a terrible idea. (laughs) It very rarely in Survivor, when you go and you tell everyone, here's the plan, does it work out well? Because all it takes is one person to be like, no, I don't want to go with that. But then again, I thought about the five that are there. Mm-hmm. Him, him, Dina, and Jenna already had the plan. Yep. I, getting Alex on it's a little risky. It is. I don't know if that was a good move. But what does he have to... What does Alex, and then also, by extension, kind of Matt, have to gain by not going with this plan? They're being told, hey, you get to come into this final five... And you don't have to compete against Dave mm-hmm. for immunities because he'll be gone. And if you're if they're still viewing it as as men versus women, which I don't think they necessarily are, there's three of you. Sure. If it were me, and I mean, historically, Survivor does this every once in a while, where you're like, okay, we have this thing, we have this group. Alex is from that last vote statistically on the bottom. He was the one that was left out of the vote. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. That's the 
that's the danger of showmance. I don't know that if you're, if I was Alex, I don't know that I would feel like I was on the bottom because that doesn't, from his perspective, I don't think he, this, this could be the first time Rob's had this idea. Okay. They came to this vote in an open forum. Shauna sat down and said, if you're going to vote for a woman, vote me out. Yeah. And so it's kind of a weird vote in that way. Be- and where you, I don't think, I don't think any one of them can tell who's on the bottom, except that Rob and Dina know it's not them. I agree with that. But Alex could easily take this information, go to the guys at the other camp, and be like, hey, this is what I know. Look how loyal I am to you guys in the original plan. Like, let's force something here. Yeah, I mean, then it's still five on five. It's five on five. But that's also if... When you blow up that plan, do people go together? They start scrambling. And this is, a, this is a fun what if. I don't know that it ever would have happened, but then Roger opens his mouth for one second, and it's no longer going to happen. Correct. <laughs> anyway, that happens. And Rob just want to make sure all the knuckleheads know the plan. I like Rob so much. Most of the time. I was going to say, what a, what a turnaround from the start of the the season. I well, I've always been interested, and then the more I learned, liked Rob the Survivor player. Mm. I can't... I keep going back and forth. I'm like, why do you keep saying cringy shit, Rob? Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, this is just who you are, isn't it? And like, I, I don't... I can't tell how much of it is a bit, and how much of it is like... He's just so pent up. <laughs> Maybe a little of both. Yeah. Anyway, whole discussion for Dave is going home. He's the strongest. Cool. Leave it at that. Let's move on. In the morning. Hey, you got tree mail. It's the key. You remember the key from the first episode? The, the, for the, the lock box that, that we talked about for like five minutes? No. The key. No! It's special. Why? So, I think somebody, it might have been Dina, who says, like, you have this lockbox, it's enticing, you, like, rattle it, you throw it around, you try to break it open. I'm like, what if they would have succeeded? Because, <laughs> like, if you, if you, the box can't be that strong. No. Like, if you break it open on day three, you know there's a tribe swap coming. I'm sure producers were like, don't do that. Just don't leave it in their camp! Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Here's here's my thought on it. I think they wanted this thing to be like hanging over their heads the whole time, and they wanted to use that for the show, but it doesn't really work. They don't use it unless you're showing it every episode. Yeah, and like mount don't. it, mount it above tree mail. Yeah, this like locked box that they can't move. Give us a visual representation of oh hey look at that thing every time we go to tree mail. Yeah. But anyway... It's also not a huge twist if it's the merge, because we knew it was coming. Yeah. The reward for opening the box is just a thing that was probably going to happen anyway. Yeah. So, if if it was the buffs, and I'd be like, okay, that's kind of cool. But it's just a note saying, go to this place. They could have just... That could have been what they got in tree mail. Correct. It it feels like an idea someone had very early on, and then they just forgot to improve upon it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like something that they would use for, like, a hidden immunity idol later in the season of, hey, oh, here's a brand new twist to the game. Mm -hmm. But it's just a thing that we've already established. (laughs) Here's a brand new twist to the game. 
Merge. Whoa! Which we've done every season. You don't say. <laughs> anyway, that's what's in the box. The merge note, we, we get that. We're going to a noon home. We're meeting in the middle. On their way, the Jabiru is like, guys, remember, Dave, Roger, Butch. Dave, Roger, Butch. That's the order. Get it together. Anyway, they're all full on strategy. Tambaki is just, it's its a very different vibe. It's sentimental. It's, oh, look at the look at the stuff that we built. We've been here all this time. Oh, look at the friends we made. Come on, guys. Let's go. I want to talk about Tribe Swap real quick. Okay. Because that reminds me of something that's very important. Early on in the season, I couldn't tell who were the, or I could tell who the people were going far were. But it wasn't like previous seasons where I knew which tribe was going to come out ahead. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like in Thailand where, like, I always knew it was Chewie gone. I was trying, I was hoping, hoping so hard for it to be Suk Jai. And I kept trying to find routes for them and believing beyond belief. But, like, the camera was always on Chewie gone. Yeah. Or Ogakor in season two, even when they're losing a bunch of challenges. Or. Um, the young, even to a certain point, the, um, the non-boomer versus, uh, young people tribe in Africa and so on and so forth. But what this in Marquesas has with the tribe swaps is it's highlighting a bunch of different people on both tribes. So you don't know how, you know who's going to be around for a while because you see a lot of them. Mm -hmm. You know Rob's not going to be the second vote. Because we constantly are getting more and more of him. You know Heidi's going to be around because she's like the centerpiece of all of the women except when Dina emerges. You know Dina's going to be around a while because she's taking this like big leadership position getting a lot of confessionals. But it's not like, okay, we've now seen all six people on this tribe. And we've seen so much of them. And now they're merging with this other tribe. And, oh, okay, I know how this goes now. This is now, because of the tribe swap, it is so much less clear what the path is for everyone, mm-hmm. except for Dave, who seems to have no path. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair. It, I will have to point out that in Thailand, they tried to have a tribe swap. You can't make it optional. <laughs> they tried. You cannot make it optional. Imagine how much better Thailand would be with a tribe swap. Yes. Yes, Fuck, man. <laughs> Or even if anyone bit at the swap. Uh, True. That's all we needed is one person to be like, okay, I'm in. And then the chaos ensues. Which, building upon it in this season with the draft, still having choice, Mm -hmm. but not making it optional. Correct. Is awesome. I agree. Anyway, we meet at a little island. Jeff's there. What a cool little island. Yeah, it's, it's really cute. Jeff's there. He's hanging out. He's like, boom, it's an individual game. Here's your red buffs. I like the red buffs. Oh, really? I like the red buffs. You don't like the red buffs? I don't buff? like them that much. Why? I don't know. It doesn't pop out from the scenery enough. Hear me out. Okay. It's the dirt. Okay. It it blend. It doesn't blend in with the dirt, but it doesn't stick out as much as the previous two colors. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And a lot of our contestants... All of our contestants, all of our contestants are white, white and sunburnt. Yeah. So now they just like look like tomatoes with red hats. I see what you're saying. I feel like the contrast of that particular color with what we already had for buffs 
does make it pop more. It it's is in new. my eye. Yeah. Whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a red buff. We're yeah. not allowed to have opinions that agree, Stephen. No. This is ESPN kind of commentating. <laughs> oh, God. Are you Skip Bayless or uh, Colin Coward? I don't I like know. either of those options. I don't like either of those options. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, red buff, red boat, go on. Get out of here. And they do. They they paddle all together. It's a big-ass boat to fit all of them. All ten people. I love, though, when they actually arrive at their new camp. By the way, they aren't going home. They're building a new camp. They Yeah, so no fridge. No fridge. No fridge. You better take your Cokes. I don't know if they got to take their spices. <laughs> they, I, I don't think they did, because they specifically said something about take your water, take your machete, and your stuff. Well, I guess you could under your stuff. Yeah. It would be a crazy change if they could smuggle things from reward challenges in previous seasons, but they can't take the rewards they won pre- <laughs> like earlier in the season with them. Yeah. I laughed out loud on the train, though, watching this part when they pull up to the new camp and they hit the shore earlier than they expect. And goes, <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> did they have to keep that in? They did. It's comedy. Anyway, we pull up to camp. We have a feast. We have food. Hot dogs. Everyone's so excited for hot dogs, Jared. And beer. And beer. Coors Light. Ka-ting. Trademark. I mean, jokes aside, I mean, first of all, yes, this, op- this episode sponsored by Coors Light. Correct. If I had been starving and thirsty in the jungle, I think a Coors is the beer I would want because it's mostly water. Like, it's, it's like the lightest of light beers that is actually, like, hydrating and refreshing. I mean, makes sense to me. Yeah. So there has- This podcast, not sponsored by Coors Light. Definitely not sponsored by Coors Light. Nor will we ever know. Thanks, Jared. If any good beers want to sponsor us, we'll, we'll definitely throw you out there. Well, I've ruined it too. <laughs> anyway, we're sitting, we're enjoying, and we throw out the name Jacare. It is Portuguese for alligator. Okay. I like it. It's Yeah, it's nice. I don't know why Dina knew that. <laughs> I like it. It's also like... I think, off the top of my head, the first time that a tribe that they decided the name threw in an accent. Yeah. Jacare. Jacare. I don't know what a Portuguese accent sounds like. Because to me, I was like, that sounds French. And I was like, but I don't know what Portuguese sounds like. So that's probably correct. In my brain, it's a mixture between French and Spanish. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, like, geographically. Yeah. Geographically, we have these two countries. There's one kind of near it. We smush it together, and then we move it over to. God, I was a waiting for you to say in the middle of it. I was like, Stephen, please tell me you think that Portugal is between France and Spain, so no. I can roast you so fucking hard. Portugal's on the other side of Spain. I do know <laughs> some basic geography. Thank you very much. I'm actually pretty good at geography, for the most part. I should say that, and then I look at a map of the Middle East, and I'm like, no, I'm fucked. I'm very fucked. Anyway, that happens. We're we're hanging out. We're enjoying our meal. And then Roger just kind of like gets up and like, we need a shelter. Go build the shelter. Yeah, what is this weird fucking heel turn? I mean, he's always been a dick. But like, dude, my guy, my he, brother in Christ, it is, we are eating. He is establishing dominance. He needs to show that he is the leader. He's literally a half a step above just, like, peeing on people to be like, <laughs> I am dominant. Go. 
Go do the things that I wanted you to do. This is... And I don't feel like Roger acted this badly in The Guy's Tribe. Well, yeah. You know why. Yeah. Because it was The Guy's Tribe. Yeah. Or in The Merge Tribe. Correct, but he also felt like he was in a position of power in that one. Well, and I think he feels like he's in a position of power here, and it's interesting how he immediately abuses it. Yeah. Maybe in the Mer- in the Swap Tribe, he didn't... Dave was kind of the captain because he made the deal that got rid of Gene. He's the one that put the tribe together. But it's like he has... Maybe he does have like six days of pent up like, okay, I haven't been the leader. No one knows what a big, strong man I am. And I need to, I need to bully them all. I need to show these new people that I am God. Roger sucks. <laughs> hot take. Roger fucking sucks. I don't know that that's a hot take. No, I, I know it's not a hot take. It's, <laughs> it's entirely a cool. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. So that's fun. Everyone's like, hey, but the the cool hangout time. Well, okay, well, fine. We'll get up. We'll start doing things. They start like packing up the food so that they can save it for later. And... Even then, Roger's like, guys, do it this way. You don't need to pack up the beer that way. Pick It It can be warm. It's beer. No one wants warm beer. He's just being an ass. This isn't Africa or Thailand where we're literally fucking starving. And, like, in Thailand's case, like, scraping up scallops. Yeah. Like, it's... They haven't been suffering that much for food this season. For I luxuries, agree. sure, so that makes more sense as to why I keep the beer cold. He's just a dick. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to like condense this next section into what it really is. <laughs> Roger, do it this way. Everyone else, I mean, but we could do it this way. Roger, do it this way. And uh, then Roger, good. I want to make sure we got everyone's opinion on that. Yeah. And finally, everyone else. Roger sucks. Yeah. Literally everyone, Roger sucks. Except for Dave. Except for Dave. Yeah. Because <laughs> Dave also kind of sucks. Yeah. By association, Dave yes. kind of sucks. Anyway, we fast forward to nightfall. Everyone is partying, having a great time, sitting around the fire. Christy is the life of the party here. I love Christy. Christy is... We're talking about the weirdest places you've had sex. Christy, the Washington Monument? On 4th of July. Christy, Christy, tell me more. I love it. I I do want to sit down. Apparently, threesomes are easy to get, <laughs> according to Heidi and Jenna. Hold that thought, because Rob is going through, and he's like, "My sex life is so mundane," and he's talking. His exact, some of his exact words are, "My sex life," if that's what you want to call it. Yeah. Which oof. He has a gross comment about. Uh, larger women. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, and then he's like, I don't know, maybe a three-way would be one of my aspirational goals, but it's probably never going to happen. And Heidi swoops in and is like, nah, girls like threesomes. (laughs) And Rob goes, hmm? Hmm? I'm sorry? Maybe there's a chance that Heidi and Jenna will give me a threesome. Maybe if I take them to the final three. (laughs) (laughs) That's my plan all along. That's their plan all along, too. <laughs> all while this is happening, guess who's the one person who's asleep snoring in the tent? It's fucking Roger. It's Roger. Roger doesn't want to be a part of this. And so they're, they're having a great time. 
And then we wake up the next morning, and Roger, at the ass crack of dawn, hammering away posts into the ground. BB, Roger, Carl from season three, the dentist, mm. and Joanna, the most cursed blunt rotation. I'd weirdly pick Carl the dentist. <laughs> it's unfortunate. I I do also think I could I could make Roger work because I know how to work function around people like that, but it's not fun. I think I would give Roger an aneurysm. <laughs> yes. Correct. <laughs> That's all we needed. <laughs> And everyone's like, he has no sense of self-awareness. Everyone's waking up. They're pissed at him already. He is digging his own grave one small section of this episode at a time. (laughs) Digging his own grave one machete chop at six in the morning at a time. Yeah. Like, everyone's coming into this. They're like, nah, it's Dave. It's Dave. Yeah. They're like, Dave's a threat. And then they're like, oh no, we can't do three more days of Roger. We can't fucking deal with him. It's too much. I I did write down at this point. I remember... Like, I was like, it's, it's too obvious. Mm-hmm. Like, it's too obvious as Roger's going home. Roger himself is like, yeah. Every, feels too good to be true. Everything is going to plan, but it seems too good to be true. How does it, how does anything that's happening around Roger seem good to Roger? Like, he has to feel that he's, this tension, feel this ostracization. He clearly doesn't. Maybe not, like, in a vote-wise, but even, like, your own, I guess you're right, he has no social awareness. Yeah, it's, he just doesn't know what's going on. Then guys go fishing. Dina and Jenna are sitting on the shore talking and scheming and just having a good time. It's great. They're, they're complimenting the guys while they're out there. I will say we did not get to see as much of Jenna strategizing in the tribe swap, but it sounds like she actually was way more involved in it than we Mm. were led on to believe. Yeah. And she's, right now, she's establishing herself as Dina's number two. Yeah. But Dina also has another number two in Rob. Yes. All right. I mean, they, they've set themselves up as a final three. Yeah. Per their own words. And I want to pull out this quote, because I think it's great. From Dina, it's not the battle of the sexes anymore. It's the weakest versus the strongest. It's true. And the guys don't get that. Yeah. And Rob has a good quote later where he talks about, like, basically, I went to go side with the women. I expect him to say something like, I want to side with the women because I didn't think I could physically beat the men or, like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. I felt like I didn't feel like I was one of them or something like that. No. He goes, they're fucking idiots. They don't know how to play this game. Yeah. And that also is implicitly a compliment towards the women, especially mm-hmm. Dina and Jenna, mm-hmm. that, like, oh, these two and the rest of the women, I guess, in, as well— came to play this game. Yeah. Unlike the men. I agree. I fucking love it. I mean, they're playing a game just poorly. They're playing it like it's season one still. Yeah. They're playing it like they're going to steamroll. They're they're not even playing it like it's season one. They're playing it like it's season one and Rich doesn't exist. I'd say more like season two where we have the advantage and like there's nothing you can fucking do about oh, it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I was just thinking about like the nose to the grindstone, do the hard work, blah, blah, blah. And you say guys, it's not, really it's Dave, Roger, and Butch that are doing this. Because Alex and Matthew have now been brought in and they're, whether they want to be strategizing or not, they are. Mm -hmm. And they at least know there's a game going on (laughs) because of that. Yeah. 
Cool. Jumping ahead to the immunity challenge, we have a, a little callback here. You're going to stand on a platform in the water for as long as you can. Hey, but the platform isn't four feet across this time. It's a very tiny platform. And this challenge works. It does. A little bit. It still goes on longer than it should. It it goes on the right amount for this challenge. Yes. I think the reason this challenge didn't work this time is because the, the person that was in danger didn't think he wasn't in danger. Yes. And so they were playing for nothing. They were literally just playing for the breaks where Jeff would offer food and then go, cool, I'm done. Yeah, I want that food. Yeah. Give me the food. <laughs> Things that happen almost immediately, like a half hour in, Jenna's like, I'll take my clothes off for chocolate and peanut butter. And Jeff's like, hey, producer, make that happen. I was... Make, so Make that fucking happen. That was my question. I didn't catch that she was the one that was like, I'll, we'll take our clothes off for that. I thought that he offered it and, they were, and then... Heidi in general was like, okay, cool, close off. And I was like, what? No. Nobody asked you to do that. But, she, was, right. she was in total control of that situation. Awesome. She knew what she was doing. Jeff was no longer a negotiator. Jeff was like, give me all of the peanut butter and chocolate you have. <laughs> go, go. You think it'll be get more. Yeah. I don't care how much you have to fucking bring. That's so good. And it like it let Jenna show off the thing that she wants yeah. to. Like her body is her weapon. Yeah, here we have it. And everyone thinks that puts her in a weak position. And like, oh, she's using like the one thing to keep her up. But she's smart too. I, I love this. Yeah. I love this. And it's really funny because Butch is standing right between the two of them. And he's sitting there like, I'm not looking. I'm not looking to all my students out there. I'm not looking. If you listened very, very closely when they did that, you could hear Clay get a boner. <laughs> <laughs> from all the way in america all the way in america <laughs> clay was actually the one who spoiled the season because he's like i bet there will be women who take their tops off there you go uh, and so he was actually you couldn't see me slightly off camera up in a tree he was chill one he was chill one got it not so chill <laughs> roger gives up at 35 minutes roger he he didn't even get a snack out of it he's the only one that didn't get food correct what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> he thinks he's safe. And he's right. He couldn't have done this challenge. He could have won this challenge. I The challenge hadn't even started, and he almost fell off. With his confessionals and with that, because he wasn't in danger of falling off one. He just very calmly got down. I mean, you're right. I don't think he probably would have won. Part of me wonders if he knew he was in danger and was just lying to himself. Because he's constantly going like, ah, this is too good to be true. Or like, it's very like self-sabotage-y mm. in a way that feels like, I don't think you'd ever be able to, like, even if you put a truth serum in Roger, he he would have admitted it at the time or afterwards. But something deep down in him knew something's not right. Yeah. Something's wrong, but rather, and then he had the BB response. He had the, well, I'm going to take my ball and go home then. He did. He really did. We get some heavy rain at one hour. That was crazy. Like, really bad rain. To, to the point Jeff comes out and he's like, I have a pizza. I can't really show it to you. But there's a pizza, <laughs> I, I swear. I promise you, there is a pizza under this. He didn't even start, he didn't even finish the word pizza. And Rob's in the water. Alex, Butch, Rob all get in there. They're yeah. like, pizza. Fuck we're that. Done. We're done. Give me that. Well, and they, they know. They know what the plan is. They have no reason to stay up there. Yep. Except for Butch. Butch doesn't know. 
Oh, sure. I mean, well, he, he knows. He's just wrong. Butch has a, has a wrong plan. Yeah. <laughs> Dean is standing up in the rain, poor, just absolutely drenching her. Is that all you got, Jeff? Is this all you're giving me? Let's yes, go. Je- Jeff, who uh, famously controls the weather. And she says out loud, I lasted longer than Roger. That's all I need. And that's all I needed. She just spoiled the plan. Kind of. Because it's hidden under a guise of these two have been butting heads for three days. So if you're Roger, you can easily receive that as, oh, she it's a dick measuring contest. It's an individual dick measuring contest. Not, I have the numbers to go after you. It's, it's a double entendre and it's so fucking smart, man. It is great. I love her calling your shot. I just cannot believe that you don't take that and go, oh, I might be in trouble here. Let's game a little. Anyway, doesn't matter. Because he's the fucking worst. He is. <laughs> Dave and Matt give up for hot wings. And we get to the final two, Dina and Christy. And Jeff pulls out a big plate of spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> and Christy goes, no garlic bread? No and garlic it, bread, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff looks off screen and goes, Do we have garlic no bread? garlic bread. <laughs> no garlic bread. No, no. Can we, can we also, do we have... If we get garlic bread, can we also get Christy to take off her top? Uh, no? Okay, no, no, no okay. garlic bread. No, we have no garlic bread. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that happened. And so, Dean and Christy are like, I don't know, let's just end this game and share the spaghetti and meatballs. Which, in season three, I made fun of Teresa and Clarence for going to Rock, Paper, Scissors to decide. Uh-huh. Very different circumstances. Correct. This one, it doesn't matter who wins. It doesn't. Unless Roger starts to game plan and actually, like, does something. Sure. I don't think either of them feel like they would be a viable target. Christy gets a few votes, though. Okay, Christy is the target from the guys. Yeah, from those three. That's yeah. true. So, I don't know. Man, Butch votes for Christy. That's so sad. Yeah. Anyway... Uh, Dina wins the rock, paper, scissors contest <laughs> and they both share spaghetti meatballs. So it doesn't even matter. There's our first challenge. Uh, I did not like the immunity necklace. It's boring. It is boring. And it seems it's, a little haphazardly thrown together. It, it's not, at least it's not racist. It's fair. Like the tribe immunity idol. That's fair. I... Honestly, not whole, not a whole lot of this post-challenge matters. We continue to dunk on Roger. It's great. This I will say, kudos to Survivor at the time, and I hope going forward, knowing the difference between a compelling villain, mm-hmm. like a Lex, like uh, Boston Rob, someone that's stirring shit up, and they're fun to watch and root for, even though you feel a little bad for doing it, mm-hmm. versus... Roger, who's just an asshole, which could be a magnet for the camera because it does start drama. Yeah. But how much of Roger have we seen up until this episode? Like, since the homophobic rant, like, almost nothing? Like, except for some group scenes with him and Butch and Christy? He sticks out most in these periods of he's trying to establish dominance. Yeah. And unless that's important to the story, they haven't shown it to us because they're like, yeah, you get it. <laughs> and we understand. don't We don't need to show you anymore, and that could have easily been a trap yeah so you know we talk about what they do what the producers and what the editors and all that do do in the creation of the show sometimes it's also important to bring up what they don't do and what they fall into or where they don't fall into correct yeah the one thing i do want to bring out here 
is that we have, as far as I know, for the first time in Survivor history, a double confessional. We have two of them. I mean, it's the same one, where it's Jenna and Heidi in the same shot talking about something that has happened. No, we also have uh, Alex and Matthew. Really? Mm-hmm. They tried... It was originally supposed to be just... Like, it zoomed in on just, like, one of them. I don't remember which fucking one. And then one of them, like, corrects... The one off-camera corrects the one on-camera, and it zooms back out. And this is also not the first time, because they did in season one. Okay. I remember it being really weird. It was Rudy and uh, Rudy and Rich, and I was like, this is weird. Okay. Well, then... But it's always weird to see it. It's so bizarre. I don't like it. It doesn't feel right. Also, where is Rob taking his confessionals? Why is he, like, under a log and, like, Aha, it is me, the gremlin of the Amazon. <laughs> it did look like they were trying for something artistic, and it just it just doesn't look right. Like, dude, just give him a comfortable place to sit so he can open up. Or nah, maybe he picked it. He's just, like, sitting on a tree, hunched over with his head leaning there. Oh, he's, like, like, his shoulder, like, under the log. It's super bizarre. Let's dish. You and me, camera. Let's go. And it's way too close. Yeah. So, yeah. Tribal council happens. And, again, we just continue to dunk on Roger. It's great. I did like Dina being like, will you guys be offended if I don't pack? And they're like, Dina, you have immunity. Dina, you... You're literally the only person that can't go you're home. You're allowed to pack. You're allowed to not pack. Correct. That's not... And I get I like... It's not it's not gloating, right? It's like, no. Hey, but Jeff brings out, you can give immunity to whoever you want. Fuck you, I'm going to. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I'm, I'm struggling to wrap my mind around, outside of hidden immunity idols, why you would ever give away immunity. Do you think anybody, anybody ever does? Yes. Okay. I do. Why? I don't know. Okay. That's why I'm struggling to piece together. I feel like the, like you, the only way it could happen is if you like manipulated somebody to backstab them. But it just doesn't make any sense because, like, if if you're in a smaller alliance and you want to protect your friend, mm-hmm. well, then they're just going to go for you. What, do you think that that happens in a position that like backfires? Like you give you give up a, a immunity necklace and someone like pulls a fast one on you, or do you think it's just like a I'm going to save this person because I think they're in danger, but that's going to pull the votes to somewhere else? The only one I could think of where it would make sense for it to happen is number one now, okay. where you have a situation, let's say it's a final five, final six, whatever. There's a clear target, and you know that you're the next person on the bottom, but you want to throw it into disarray, so you so you save that person as like a last-ditch effort because they can't all, it's harder for them all to talk about it right there at Tribal and to make a backup plan that probably hasn't been established. That's the only way I can think that it would make any goddamn sense. Or if you're, if you somehow win immunity while you're like very sick and you're like, I need to go home here. Take my immunity. <laughs> take idol. it away. Let's go. <laughs> but then it wouldn't matter because you're going home. So there wouldn't be a vote. Fair. Roger says a racist thing about Indians. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Native peoples, Roger. It doesn't make it better, but <laughs> correct. Too many. We switched the phrase of too many cooks. Correct. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Too many cooks, too many cooks. And Jeff has a weird pervy moment of you and Heidi provided the highlight of the challenge, of the immunity challenge. Jeff, Jeff remember, you're kind of their boss. Jeff really liked it. He really did. 
It's it's weird. They're attractive women. Hey, listen, I'm a I'm a straight guy. I like boobs, but you also you're in a power position to them, and it's weird. Yes, correct. And seeing him in this like pervy moment of Jeff. Oh yeah, Jeff, you're a real human instead of Jeff. You are the game manager. You of are the this game show. Pot, Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't feel good. It's not great. No. Anyway, Roger's gone. Okay, let's watch that confessional. Yeah, quick. here. That's really funny. I love that. Okay, so basically, it's Rob doing a like call in to a radio station saying, "There's a mean old man in my life that's about to leave. Can we dedicate the song?" And then sings "Na na 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 goodbye," which is probably why it got struck for copyright. Correct. I could tell in the episode on Paramount Plus where that was cut because there's like weird cut in music. There, correct. That is exactly what I wanted to say. Is there's a weird audio slice, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. That is a great confessional. I also, I love that Rob's a little petty. Rob, uh, uh, about like Roger and Dave, to a lesser extent, Matthew last episode, He's he doesn't just want these people to lose. Or he doesn't just want to win. He wants these people to lose. Yeah. And he revels in when they do. I like a little bit of petty. Me too. Yeah. Roger's gone. His confessional is really funny it's so fucking pretentious i'm a very strong individual i am my own worst enemy in this game i'm a big strong man and the fact that they voted me off doesn't mean i lost me i don't think i got outwit or outplayed but i definitely got outlasted you got outwit and outplayed you you dumb piece of shit (laughs) yeah so that's it how do you think he does in Future Survivor? Fucking awful. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think this is probably the best he ever does. Like, I can't imagine on a tribe of, like, a mixed gender tribe, he ever lasts this long. Sure. Because the women throughout this episode, this is something we haven't talked about because it's it's load-bearing to who Roger is. He is a straight-up misogynist. They vote him off. Mm-hmm. Because the women are like, we will not get his vote if there's a man in the final two. There's nothing we can do to convince him. That's literally the turning point, is they're like, oh, (laughs) this is not going to work for us. Like, we might be able to convince Dave, if we get him on the jury, that we're worthy to win. But because we are women, we will never have his respect. He's a misogynist. And... The fact that an entire tribe of women, some that spent more time with you than others, all reached the same conclusion? Fuck, man. You gotta be pretty bad for all of them to have that exact same opinion. So I think in it, like if day one had been from mixed tribes, mixed gendered tribes, yeah, he doesn't stick around very long. I do think this is the perfect season for someone like him. Yep. And yeah, he's not coming back, so. Of course not. That's That's that. And a lot of the articles out there are about his death. Like, we talked about him a while ago. Yeah. He was the first survivor death that we had while the show was recording. So, there we go. And he died, from what I can tell, it was dementia-related. So... That's too bad. It it really is. Like, it's... We don't wish death on people. We think... Everyone loved him. His family loved him. Sure. Ter- people with a bad moral compass can still be good family people. And, like, I don't... Yeah. Again, these are characters on a show. Yeah. And people live... People live complicated and more meaningful lives than this 45 minutes that we see on television. Sure. So, there you go. 
And people are also, yeah, people are different in their day-to-day lives and when they're competing and when they're starved. Yeah. Yep. But I don't like Roger. No. Nor should you. Your protagonist. God, they really are just making Rob the protagonist constantly. Because I do think this episode, it's Dina, because uh, she's the one that butts heads with Roger. She's the one that wins immunity. She's the one that is navigating with Heidi and Jenna and being like, ah, you're right. We got to get rid of Roger first. But Rob's still so close. He's, he's always right there. He's always right there. So it's Dina and that takes, and Rob being so close takes nothing away from Dina. Um, I am going to switch my winner pick now that we're at the merge. I was going to ask. So here you go. I mean, I, I think the final two is Heidi and Rob. Okay. And I think Rob wins. I'm going to say, I think Rob wins five to two. Gotcha. All right. That's my guess. You heard it here, folks. Jared, picking Rob. Five to two. Five to two. I think that Heidi will be... I don't think Heidi's going to be a goat, because I think she is a really good player. But I think only one of Rob or Dina... They're both like, ah, oh, we're going to take the final three, but both of them are holding a knife behind their back. <laughs> like, the moment that they that they can, they're going to split into two separate factions, because they both know, and in a good way. Like, they both respect each other so much, that they're like fuck, I do not want to go up against you. Like, let's pair up, because we will see the game the same way, but that can only last until the universal the universal theory of fuck that guy is gone to bring them together. <laughs> Eventually, they're out of people that are enemies. Correct. And they say that's going to be the final three. I don't think it's going to be the final three. Where do you think it happens? <sighs> okay. Dave, if he doesn't win immunity, is the next to go. And then probably Butch. Okay. Big asterisk on that. If they start thinking that Matt is actually like <laughs> a safety problem, Matt might jump that order a little bit. Sure. So it could go Matt, Dave, Butch. Okay. But, and of course, immunities and all that. But right now we'll say Dave, Butch, Matt. Then it gets interesting because you have, that's six people left. Mm-hmm. Alex... Ooh, there's a really interesting world because we do see a showman start between Dave and Heidi, though. And Heidi can make her own faction with Blackjack and Hookers, <laughs> i.e. Dave and Alex, and try to pull in Christy. Oh, this is so fascinating. If Heidi makes her own faction with, with Dave, with Alex, with Christy, maybe we do end up in a final three with Dina Rob and Jenna, because they would need each other that whole time. If not, Final Five feels like the place at which they they start to go after each other. Maybe Final Six. Okay. I think I think one of them will try, in that world, I think one of them will try at the Final Six, and one of them will hold on till the Final Five, and we'll see which one comes out on top. Alrighty. We're over on time, so I'm going to bumper. Thank you so much. That'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Trivia Back Time podcast. Jared, it's always a pleasure doing this with you. I have a great time. I do too. And this season, as you said to me before we started recording, is fun to watch. I actually want to be watching the next episode. Yeah. Weird how that works. (laughs) What would you like to promote this week? Persona 5. Ooh. I started playing Persona 5 uh, Royale. I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, or a little bit at the beginning of the podcast. If you have Xbox Game Pass, it's on there. It's a great game. Nice. It's great. It, it walks the line between being both like mechanically accessible, but also like 
pretty varied and deep with a pretty good story. Nice. I'm going to promote, if I haven't promoted already, I probably have, but it doesn't matter. If you want a good comedy kind of a show, look up Taskmaster on You've YouTube. You've definitely promoted Taskmaster before. I'm going to do it again. That's fine. They just finished the season 15, and I thought it was a really good season. It was fun. It's comedians doing stupid shit and looking stupid while doing it. Sure. But it's all for good fun and good entertainment. And if you can get past the British dialects and can understand it, it's a great show. Closed captioning. I'm watching on YouTube, so it's not... Oh, yeah, YouTube closed captioning. Yeah. For my co-host, Jared, this is Steven. For my host, Steven, this is Jared. Bye-bye! Stay frosty out there, cool cats. With Coors Light! With Coors Light!